Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Five Rings to Rule Them All. I'm Sid Ziegler. Despite my Olympic fandom and my fandom for Olympians uh, and how much inspiration I've drawn from them for so much of my life, I'm always interested in talking to people who absolutely hate the Olympics, who think the Olympics are bad for the world, bad for society. And oh, this past Pride Month, I came across a group called No Olympics. They literally want to abolish the Olympics. They think the Olympics are bad for the world, bad for society, bad for local communities. And they have a point. I've talked to Dave Zirin, sports writer, for years about this. He's written books and articles about it. There are issues with policing and displacement of people and the financial burden on the local community of having hosting the Olympics. And so I wanted to have a couple people from No Olympics on this week to talk about where what they're doing, what their position is. And so I'm joined by uh, Gigi Drosh and Gia Lappi, who talk f- about those issues and also the LGBTQ perspective. The, the No Olympics says that the Olympics are literally specifically and actively dangerous for LGBTQ people. And they they explain why, they, they give an example, and we have a good back and forth about the positives and negatives of the Olympics. And it was a really great conversation, just hearing different, just different perspectives and having a really respectful, honest conversation about it, and also sharing our absolute hatred for the role of Mayor Eric Garcetti in Los Angeles. Uh, the, the Gigi and Gia live in Los Angeles, and they were drawn to this movement because LA is hosting the Olympics in 2028. Anyhow, here's my conversation with Gigi and Gia, and I hope you get as much out of it as I did. Well, usually I start these with, I'm here with so-and-so and so-and-so, and and we are all three actually in the same city this time. I don't think this ever happened. Gigi and Gia from No Olympics, uh, just kind of give me an idea of how the group got started and, and who is the group? Well, we originally started a few years ago um, from the uh, uh, DSA LA's Housing and Homelessness Subcommittee. Um, it started when a lot of activists here in Los Angeles realized that our city council and our mayor, uh, Eric Garcetti, were making a bid for the Olympics. And when they were looking into the issues, they realized that uh, this is that bringing the Olympics to Los Angeles will accelerate um, our housing crisis and it'll accelerate police um, militarization, which will disproportionately affect um, black and brown communities and working class communities. Um, and so the group in DSALA um, decided that they needed a organization specifically to target the Olympics. And it started off trying to keep the Olympics from coming to Los Angeles. And it's now morphed into um, keeping the Olympics from happening, not just in Los Angeles, but abolishing the Olympics worldwide. Um, Because every city that the Olympics come to, these issues actually happen. Um, Every city that the Olympics come to, it accelerates um, police militarization and it accelerates displacement of the most vulnerable in a city. It's it's the 
the dirty little secret. And there's a guy I'm sure you know named Dave Zirin, who is a, 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 a wonderful colleague. I've worked with him uh, tangentially for years. And he has talked about this stuff, um, about not just the, the Olympics, but also um, the Super Bowl, how, how you know, funds get diverted toward this multi-billion dollar event and away from uh, important services. Um, so right, give me an idea, like who is this organization right now and what impact have you been able to measure so far? So we're really a group of just normal um, organizers, activists around Los Angeles. Um, we aren't We've had some people accuse us of being like paid when we've called into city council. Um, we don't, we're not, we're all volunteer. Um, we're just basically a group of Los Angeles, um, um, we're a group of Angelinos who really don't want the Olympics in our city and we don't want it in any city because we know that it's not going to benefit our city in any way. Um, really like the, the dirty secret that I think the, that people don't talk about with the Olympics is that it's not a side effect that the Olympics will come in and um, accelerate policing and accelerate um, housing issues. It's really sort of the point of the Olympics. Um, when a city brings the Olympics, it's the housing developers who want to build more, um, you know, luxury apartments or luxury hotels who come in and say, we want the Olympics here. And then it's also, police who want to get more funding for their projects or who want to increase their police um, presence, or there's going to be uh, 30% more police officers hired um, for the upcoming Olympics as the LAPD has confessed. Um, so it's really less about, it, the Olympics is less of a sporting event and more of a excuse to bring in more hotel developers at the end of the day. Somebody asked me this weekend about the Olympics coming to LA and was I excited? I said, excited? Are you crazy? If I wasn't a sports writer, I would get the heck out of here. I don't want to, I don't want to be anywhere near this place uh, dur during the Olympics, though. but because I'm a sports writer, I will. Um, and Gia, I'm curious, um, you personally, uh, how did you come to this work and, and why are you personally so vested in it? Yeah, I actually, you know, I'd read Siren. I, I understood the impacts of the Olympics at a, on a kind of global scale, you know, just like in, you know, via like classes in college, um, but hadn't really thought about the specifics or the work or how that works. Um, and I happened to meet Johnny, who is one of the co-chairs of No Olympics, who really took it out of DSA or Democratic Socialists of America with a few people and really grew the org. Um, and he told me a little bit about it. And once I started reading more and more and more, um, I came to understand just how duplicitous and dirty uh, this whole thing is. I am not a, I am, I was born and raised here and, you know, I'm going to be a perpetual renter and that this, you know, it's, it's hard enough to afford housing as it is like Los Angeles is in a deep housing crisis and coming to see something like what's going on with SoFi, which is sort of a cornerstone of bringing the Olympics here and the, 
gentrification that's happening in Inglewood and what's happening to the longtime tenants there feels like a very dark sort of foreshadowing of what's going to happen throughout the city when, you know, and it and is already happening throughout the city. Um, but it is the most expensive stadium ever built in history in a very working class city. Um, and that, that in itself should not exist. Um, the city has been like neglected. The school, the state had to take the school over in 2012 because it was so badly mismanaged. And then all of a sudden mayor butts their mayor because Inglewood is a city within LA County. Um, so they have their own mayor and their own city council um, is suddenly welcoming this multi-billion dollar stadium project and not really considering anything, you know, as far as like what, or maybe he is, but maybe that's exactly why he's doing it. But what the outcome of not just the stadium, which, okay, took, you know, took over this empty lot, but everything that will happen surrounding the stadium, what, what that means as far as like building development, like new restaurants, new hotels, new luxury apartments, and what that means again for the long-time tenants. And right now there are, there's work being done with local tenants unions and Olympics, um, trying to fight landlords who are essentially abusing their tenants so much that they have to leave so they can sell that property to developers. Uh, Rents have doubled, essentially, in Inglewood. One of the arguments, and this is what you just explained, has been happening in Los Angeles since I moved here 25 years ago. It just gets kind of worse and worse. Uh, One of the arguments for the Olympics or for SoFi Stadium or for the Super Bowl is it's going to bring so much money into the economy that um, the stadium is going to apply full-time and and seasonal jobs. Then you're going to have hotels, which will also employ people. That it brings jobs and more money that can be invested in the community. What what do you say about that, uh, Gigi? Do you, do you have a like perspective on that? Yeah, I do. It's a it's a lie. Um, <laughs> that's the short answer. It's a dirty lie. But um, the long answer is that um, first of all. Los Angeles actually has had the only really two Olympics that have been quote unquote profitable. Um, Most cities lose money on the Olympics, um, but what most people don't know about the 84 Olympics, which did ostensibly make money is that all that money went into an organization called um, the LA 84 foundation, which was supposed to then take that money and invest it into kids sports. Um, And there have been some like, swimming lessons and, you know, handing out basketballs and that sort of thing. But a lot of that money has actually been invested into a company called Blackstone, which is a real estate developer here in Los Angeles. And so all of those profits that were made were just reinvested into, you know, shady real estate companies. Um, And it's all part of this LA 84 foundation that's not really accountable to the people of Los Angeles. It's not really accountable to anybody. Um, So the profits that were made weren't really enjoyed by the people of Los Angeles. Um, And is it really even worth profiting if the, you know, making a little bit of money, if all of the bad effects of the Olympics came in, Um, there were a lot of people that were arrested and put in prison. And um, a lot of people who were forced from their homes for the 84 Olympics, Um, the like, basically you could draw a straight line between, um, 
the 84 Olympics and the 92 uprising, the kind of aggressive policing tactics that uh, eventually culminated in the beating of Rodney King were, um, you know, done for the Olympics in order to clean the streets, as they called it, um, take out people who they said were gang members, but in many cases were just sort of teenagers who were hanging out um, so that the city would look clean and um, not infested with gang members um, for wealthy tourists who were coming in from out of town. Um, so it was just a lot of, you know, throwing innocent people in jail so that people from other cities and other places around the globe wouldn't feel scared. And the only reason they would have felt scared is because the police were telling everybody that these people were criminal when they weren't. So it was really, it was really like a gross feedback loop. Um, and as for the jobs, a lot of the jobs are very temporary. Um, the structures that are put in place, like the big stadiums, the stadiums don't really stay. Um, they might, be there for a little bit, like, um, and have some games like, and, and I know in Los Angeles, actually, we're building stadiums for this one. Um, so it's not like they need more people to staff those stadiums. Um, the building that is being put in place, they're building like luxury housing. They're not really, I mean, we could build other things with those builders. And most analysis show that the job increases aren't permanent. They're temporary jobs. They're They're not jobs that are going to give people like money to live in a dignified way. And so the, the jobs that are being brought aren't good jobs and they aren't permanent. Um, so and let me just add to that as far as the stadiums being built uh, once Inglewood finished SoFi and one beyond, beyond bringing jobs, if you're bringing, you know, even however many thousand um, minimum wage jobs with, probably no union and no benefits. Um, does that really afford locals the ability to pay rent that has now doubled? And I'm going to just say no. Um, beyond that, like now that SoFi exists, um, the local government in Inglewood also okayed the basketball and entertainment, the Inglewood Basketball and Entertainment Center, which was proposed and brought about by Steve Ballmer, who is a multi, multi-billionaire who owns the Clippers. And this is going to be the Clippers stadium, essentially. And if you like, think about a city radically and rapidly changing for the worse for the long-time working residents, like let's make, let's make Inglewood the new downtown LA and make, you know, like, what are the when are the million dollar apartments going to start popping up? And that's right now. So the stadium, yeah, the stadiums come, they're built, and then they build everything alongside them. And the people who are bringing and, the Olympics, sort of like you were saying, the people who are bringing those massive stadiums, um, the, the two biggest drivers of the um, upcoming Olympics in 28 are um, these guys, Casey Wasserman and our mayor, Eric Garcetti, actually Garrett Garcetti's first action in office wasn't looking into our um, homeless problem as, um, you know, the, the problem with housing that we have right now. It was writing a letter to the IOC and starting to campaign for the Olympics here in Los Angeles. And so that's really been his like day one priority is bringing the Olympics here um, with his friend Casey Wasserman, who's also involved with um, 
all this real estate development. He's, you know, old Hollywood royalty. It's really not, it, it has, it's not like the public wants the Olympics. It's a, a bunch of really just sort of random billionaires who have decided that this is what they want, not what the people want. There, there is no vote I have ever cast that I that I regretted more than my vote, whatever six eight years ago for Eric Garcetti. That man has no interest in helping the people. He is he is truly um, in the pockets of the of the developers. And I, you know, I sat on my neighborhood council for a couple of years, and that 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 is my literally my number one vote regret I've ever cast is voting for that man. So, and I don't make any, you know, if you follow me on Twitter, you know, you know how I feel. Uh, um, but anyhow, let's not, well, let's, let's set that And aside. also, I mean, it's, it's, you know, like when, when he, when he was running, he was a, I think we didn't quite realize what exactly he was, he was up to. I think there was, you know, he, you don't have to feel that bad about it. Now, but I do think we all have to work against, you know, feeling feeling that regret and i and i get it because i know many people actually who voted for garcetti who now think he is the biggest crook and the biggest criminal around who are actively working you know to abolish the olympics which is his pet project let's kind of leave just la aside for a minute um the, what what really grabbed my attention from from your group was some some of the things that were on instagram back in uh, June during Pride Month, and I'm I'm gay. I, I you know I I've always looked at the Olympic Games as actually not always, but certainly over the last 10, 12 years as a real beacon of hope in the sports world for the LGBTQ community. You guys, uh, the, No Olympics said that the Olympics are quote specifically and actively dangerous for LGBTQ people, and you accuse them of pinkwashing. Tell me all about that. To start off, um, just looking at some of the places. I mean, you, you'll the most obvious one is, of course, Sochi. Um, that Olympics was uh, held, even though Russia has a horrible, um, horrible record towards LGBT rights. Um, there were people being put in prison at the time for being gay and for speaking out about it. Um, but even if we're speaking about here in in America and here um just to go back to LA for a minute um the people who are on the, who are homeless right now and who are being arrested by the police are disproportionately queer um actually before you know in the 90s it kind of became the or early 2000s the big like central issue to the LGBT movement kind of became gay marriage but before that it was always policing because police have been physically trying to enforce um, heterosexuality for years. Um, and it's still a big issue. It's not always as um, visible if you're white and if you're relatively wealthy because um, the police have in some ways not targeted wealthy and white queer people, especially gay people as much. Um, but the police disproportionately um, kill and disproportionately um, imprison, uh, especially trans women, especially trans women of color, um, but really all um, gay people and all gender nonconforming people of color um, are targets for the police. And so 
any sport that or any mega event like the Olympics that is going to come in and terrorize a vulnerable community um, like the queer community in Los Angeles, like the queer community in London, the um, one in Russia, anywhere in the world, um, that's you can't just stick a pride flag on it and hope for the best um, and say we're doing great. That's that's not the reality of the situation. And even if you look at not just the effects of the Olympics, but um, the sport itself, I mean, they're they're um, right now um, targeting um, gender nonconforming athletes, athletes who don't conform to like Western beauty standards of being a woman and, and saying that you can't compete because you have too much testosterone, like that kind of stuff is you know, you, you can't then say that and then say, oh, but we support LGBT athletes. You can't, you know, try and um, ban like trans athletes from the Olympics and, and then stick a pink flag or a, a rainbow flag on it. That's not that's not something that can just because there are more visible gay and trans and LGBT athletes in the Olympics doesn't mean that it, that, that just doesn't really mean anything to me in a way. Let me just share a couple of, of, of thoughts about what you said, Gigi. And then, G, you can jump in with whatever you want. It, first of all, it's not the Olympics that are, are targeting Castor Semenya, which I think is awful. I think that, that what's going on, what she is having to endure simply to defend her gold medal. And right now, in case for those of you who don't know, um, as far as we can tell, because, you know, medical records aren't shared, which they shouldn't be, Castor Semenya as a South African runner, she's a two-time Olympic gold medalist. She may or may not be intersex, um, and her testosterone levels naturally may be high. And the uh, IAAF, which is the International Track and Field um, Governing Body, has essentially specifically targeted her for exclusion from the games. Um, she's also uh, LGBTQ. She has a same-sex partner. Um, so that's what that's what uh, Gigi was talking about. What's going on there is as is, is from the International Track and Field Organization. So it's not like the IOC is targeting them. When the IOC has come out with policies, particularly transgender policies, they have led the world in building um, inclusion for trans athletes. And it is because of the because of the IOC back in 2002, and then I think 2015 or 16. And these policies aren't perfect. But it's because of those policies that so many trans athletes have been able to compete. So I understand what you're saying about, you know, Castor Semenya, and it deserves criticism. I just don't go to the point where, oh, the Olympics need to be torn down because I've seen a lot of good, in particular, the inclusion of trans athletes. So, Gia, I need to share anything that you want about that and anything that Gigi said. Well, the second part of your question really was questioning our our accusation um, or the accusation of the Olympics being, you know, if you want to call them pink washers. Um, and to me, that's just absolutely obvious in a lot of ways. And I think like, you know, if I, if I think we can, you know, we've all seen the pink washing that takes place over pride month. Um, when a company like, I remember seeing Douglas Elliman, um, making these like ads I, I, like a couple years ago, it was just all over. I was, I was 
living in New York and that's like the big real estate company there. And they were all over when I knew that the CEO of Douglas Elliman was one of the biggest um, donor, like Trump donors. And obviously, or when people talk about Chick-fil-A or whatever, who maybe doesn't necessarily, you know, ad, you know, advertise strongly about these things, but why are we, why are we, you know, boycotting Chick-fil-A and not every other company that claims allyship during Pride Month, but is actively working to fund the people who Chick-fil-A just, you know, is more forward about funding. Um, if we want to talk about genocides, like the, when the IOC, again, like Sochi, like what was happening in 2013 there was absolutely, absolutely abuse and violence towards LGBTQ people. Uh, the Sochi mayor claimed that there were no gay people in, in his city. Um, they were disappearing activists. And when the IOC was asked to talk about it, they, they essentially said like, no, you know, not our, like we we're not a political organization. And to me, like how, how can funding, you know, working for developers that are again, displacing LGBTQ youth daily, like imprisoning them, like bringing police. And that, like that to me is as much violence on an LGBTQ community than anything can be. And then what there's allyship because, because a few athletes, you know, can, can, can claim that they've, that they've gotten, you know, they've, they've gotten the, 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 they've been treated better. Like, you know, the Olympic charter works, you know, maybe to defend Olympic athletes, but what about the LGBTQ people in the city that the Olympics arrive at? And like, I can't as a queer person and obviously an ally, like claim that the IOC does anything good for queer people just because they're doing good for queer athletes. And like the biggest, you know, case when we talk about like uh Gigi brought up like cleaning up the city and what that means and that like was like almost like quite literally echoed by Donald Trump who came to the city to LA in February of this year and said he we have to clean up our cities we have to clean up the city in preparation for the Olympics and he sat alongside Casey Wasserman and you know they they essentially claim to be a team working to bring the Olympics here. So, you know, I, the, 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 the faces of the Olympics and the people working, you know, like working to bring the Olympics to any city are not, are certainly not helping. And to me, I would say are perpetuating violence on LGBTQ communities around the world. And so just because, you know, there are a few faces that say, Oh yeah, like, you know, like the Olympics supported me does not mean much. Yeah, I think the at the end of the day, the question is, is our entertainment worth the lives of people? And to me, no, there's no world in which my entertainment is worth the lives of other people. Um, and just because you, you know, get a few athletes who are queer on board to help sell the entertainment, that to me doesn't that to me is not a good because you're doing it on the lives of other people. One of the things that, 
and and again, I, I so appreciate this conversation. You know, it's given me a lot of uh, opportunity to to think um, and reflect. One of the things I'm becoming present with is how much I love the Olympics and how much I do and have for a long time disliked the IOC, the IOC, International Olympic Committee, um, hiding behind this absolutely false narrative that it is apolitical or it's not there to to advance human rights is is it's just patently false. They have four human rights violations in the past, banned countries like South Africa and Afghanistan, and then uh, but and then on other issues like LGBTQ inclusion in Sochi, um, heading to I just wrote two weeks ago about how they are just shirking their duties, heading to back to Beijing just 14 years after the Beijing last hosted the Olympics, and one of the things that I talked about in that article was another dirty little secret, that there are very few countries that can actually put on an Olympics. It would be wonderful if countries like Norway or, or some, of these, some, some of these places where there is more uh, inclusion, there are more human rights, could host these things. But unfortunately, we're going to keep ending up in uh, Asia, um, I, 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 Asia and Russia because they are dictatorships. They can go bulldoze tenements if they want to put up a stadium, and and unfortunately, that's the way the Olympics are built right now. That's half of the countries who can host an Olympic Games according to what the IOC needs. So I I, I love the Olympics. I love what it stands for. I love the the visibility that it has given LGBTQ athletes. I think that has been. I mean, Adam Rapon's performance, I understand white cisgender male, um, but the performance he gave at the Winter Olympics, that moved the needle on our acceptance. And so I love that part of it, but you're absolutely right. The IOC is a mess. And I mean, I would just say the IOC and the Olympics, in to me, and I, I would say this is the no Olympics LA stance, is the IOC and the Olympics are synonymous because they are the driving force. Um, the Olympics, you know, capital T, capital O, like whatever you want to, you know, however you want to look at it, like are just the shiny, you know, the shiny carrot, to, you know, to distract from everything else. And these conversations, like, yeah, like that performance was absolutely, I understand, you know, move the needle, but at what cost? And if you're, you know, we're talking about, you know, how, where, where the Olympics can take place and like, look, like it's happening here in our city. And so what, what does that mean both about like what, what's allowed in the city and who's being affected? If like, yeah, right. Like in Russia and in Beijing, like the amount of violence that, that can, that can occur there without much, I know like any kind of like any system of checks and balances is, is, is obscene, but is that not happening here? If, if, if our city can host it, is it not, or what, what are we doing? Like there, there must be some equivalent. And I, and I would argue there is, and I can, and I feel like I've already said it, but we can say it again. Well, one difference is I think one of you mentioned that LA is not going to be building a ton of, of stadiums. That, that is one difference. Um, but, but I, 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 I take what you say. I, you, you make a great point. Here's I'd, I'd actually argue that that's not a difference because um, we did build one stadium for the Olympics. The SoFi Stadium was built um, as a it was uh, greenlit as a recruiting tool for the Olympics, and 
the stadiums are also very little of the building that's done for the Olympics. Most of the building that's done are the hotels that are being built. And um, so I would say that the way that housing is shifted from the people who live and work in the city to the people who are visiting the city um, and tourists, that that housing stock that shifts in that way um, is probably a bigger part of the building for the Olympics than the stadiums. So the stadiums have actually a very small um, effect on, like when you think of Olympic building projects, it's less the state, people think of the stadiums, it's really more about the hotels. Um, and that's really the biggest driver. So I think then that brings up the question, why are the Olympics, why do the Olympics exist if it's not to, because it seems like the Olympics kind of just exists to build more hotels because that's what's really being built for the Olympics. So I would argue that that's actually not a significant difference. Well, and I, I would, I would disagree. I, if, when you look at London, Rio for the winter Olympics, I think you're probably right. I think there's probably not a lot of major sports facilities being built. And when you look at uh, Athens, there were many, many buildings. Oh, built no, they are. But I, what I'm saying is that the, um, hotels usually aren't counted the same way and they aren't because it's not a um, centralized project. It's a more decentralized project. Um, the, I'm not saying that the sporting facilities aren't a problem. I'm just saying that there is just as much um, of, there's just as much building for the Los Angeles Olympics. Um, yeah. And there is also the building that we are doing is causing horrific problems around the city. Um, it's just that we are not, we've gotten better at hiding what kind of building we're doing. We're doing it quieter. Exactly. I think there's, there's, we can divide this in some way as like the displacement caused by say building an Olympic village that may, you know, that has occurred in cities around the world, obviously Rio being, being the, the most popular example of that. Uh, but it's everywhere. Um, for, well, for one thing, the, the LA being a no-build Olympics, like let's put that in quotation marks because that's a myth. And not only that, it's like an active lie um, being used and thrown out by Garcetti. No-build means take up space, change what's there, and then rebuild whatever you want after the Olympics go. It's a way of kind of LA taking up what they need and using it quote unquote temporarily, but leaving it, leaving it vulnerable after the games are gone. And then beyond that, there is the absolute like fact of the permanent builds, which are the hotels, which is the tourist economy. And that, like Gigi said, that is a, that's going to be affecting our city years and years and years beyond just the debt that we're going to be paying off for probably what 15 20 30 40 years it's going to be a 10 billion dollar debt plus probably for not hotels i've only got a couple more minutes and the last thing i kind of want to hit with you is um look the olympic games are participated i think it's 180 countries there are countless multi-million and multi-billion dollar corporations behind it um, major superstars, media companies trying to topple the Olympic Games. 
it's going to be tough. And, and, and my guess is going to take a long, 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 long time. In the meantime, when you look at the Olympic Games as they happen, is there anything that you point to where you say, gosh, this would be a great place for improvement. This is what I wish could change. No, I mean, not really, because I, I, I do think that in our efforts to oppose the Olympics, we are doing things that will have um, positive side effects um, in the city, even if the games go on, because we're doing things like we're organizing tenants and um, so that they can oppose um, being evicted. And that's the sort of thing that I think will um, improve. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I think that the biggest harm reduction we can do um, are the same acts that we can do that are opposing the games, which is mobilizing the community um, and keeping hotels from being developed, uh, making sure that housing is um, afford not only affordable, but that we have more public housing. Um, so I, I think the things that we are doing in um, opposing the Olympics and in pushing the Olympics out and in making the Olympics toxic are what will um, what will be the best harm reduction for the Olympics. But I don't see any reforming of the Olympics. Have the next two Olympics are in in uh, <laughs> Tokyo and Beijing, uh, and then Paris. I, have you made inroads in those communities and built contacts there so they can carry on some of the work that you're doing here? Oh, definitely. There's actually, um, there, in almost every city that's ever had the Olympics, there, there's been an Olympics resistance. Um, a big One of our big slogans is no Olympics anywhere. Um, and so we do work with our transnational allies. We um, Actually, the group that opposes um, the Tokyo Olympics is really cool. They're um, primarily made up of um, unhoused people and former unhoused people and their allies. Um, and um, the Paris group we talked to a lot. We actually did a really cool teaching series this summer where we um, talked to our allies from around the globe and they um, brought in their perspectives on the struggle. They um, talked about what kind of work they're doing and what issues were um, the biggest issues in their Olympics. And it was just a great way to talk to people from around the world and learn about all the destruction that the Olympics have brought worldwide. We actually um, went to Tokyo last year um, for the first ever um, Olympics opposition um, uh, conference, which was a really cool trip for the people who went on it. Um, so we've been building really strong allies with um, people around the world because because it's a global um, event. That's the only way that we'll be able to eliminate it. Well, GGG, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, you're giving me stuff to think about. And, and I really appreciate the work you're doing, particularly in L.A. Like I said, I, uh, I, I did not support L.A.'s bid for the Olympics. Um, and and I, I, if, 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 if we can reduce the harm that it does to poor communities uh, and communities of color, obviously LGBTQ people, Stay in touch, you know, add me to your mailing list. I, I want to I wanna see how we can help do that. Thanks for letting us come on the show. Yeah, we can radicalize you, Sid. You can, <laughs> you can be the old Oh, they've been trying for a long time. <laughs> there are other ways to center athletes. Like, we, we are always fans of athletes. Yeah, uh, the, including fair pay. The Olympics are the Olympics not 
Yeah, the Olympics don't pay their athletes um, at all, really. Um, the only way you get paid athletes is... Athletes also end up houseless after the games because they've spent so much money even trying to get there. If, if there's a plan to be considered, I'm all for it. So, I, again, thank you both very much and, and, uh, and do stay in touch. Thanks, Ed. Since I chatted with Gigi and Gia, I have been thinking about that kind of revelation that I had about the love for the Olympics and a distaste for the International Olympic Committee. And I have more faith that this event can be transformed. I, I think it's going to have to be. You can't have an event where only a small handful of countries have the ability to host it. And I, I, I hope that that the Olympics folks are successful in making change, but I don't hope the Olympics go away. Uh, I, I, I'm open to Gigi and Gia continuing to try to make me a radical <laughs> on, on this issue, but gosh, I love the Olympics, and I do think that there is a lot of good that comes out of them, even if there is there's bad as well. Anyhow, thanks for listening. Next week, I'm going to have um, athletes in Paralympic sports on to talk, and I'm really excited for that conversation. So uh, come on back next week, and we will see you then.